How you going, guys? Welcome to uh, the fourth Provider Podcast, coming at you live from Tairua on the Coromandel. And I'm very lucky um, this afternoon to be talking to one of New Zealand's preeminent preventative health experts. Welcome, Professor Grant Schofield. G'day, Carl. Thanks for having me. And hi from Tairua, everyone. Hope everyone's well out there. Okay, so um, taking things a, a little bit left field, um, I assure you it still does relate to fishing, um, but we're going to be exploring something that both Grant and myself are um, very passionate about, and that's men's well-being. Um, so I'll be sharing a little bit of my journey. Grant's going to um, be putting some of his um, vast array of uh, knowledge into the mix. So I'm just going to give you... Um, and we're also going to just be talking loosely about how passionate we both are about our our hometown as well of Tyra, so both feel very fortunate to live in a, a paradise like this. Um, so a bit about Grant first, and um, I'm just going to read from some of my notes, which um, Grant's got a very extensive um, background and CV. So um, Grant is Director of the Human Potential Centre at the AUT Millennium School of Sport and Recreation. His research and teaching interests are in well-being and chronic disease prevention, especially reducing the risk of eventual mortality and morbidity from obesity, cardiovascular vascular disease and diabetes. Grant's a co-author and bestseller of Low Carb, Healthy Fat Bible, What the Fat. He's a passionate long-distance runner and triathlete. He's also founder of Precure, a social enterprise focused on inspiring the medical profession to be more focused on preventative health. And uh, I'm stoked to say that I've been taking part in the last six months in Grant's health coaching course, which um, I've found absolutely fascinating. Um, very interesting to be studying again yeah. after many, many years. Um, so welcome, Grant. So we both call Tyra a home. Yep. Um, what's, what, what led you to, um, to be based, based largely here? And uh, what, do you, what do you love about Tyra and the local community? Um, well, actually, I was originally trying to buy a place in Wongmata for some reason, because uh, I didn't even know about Tyro. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I was just driving around one day, and I was like, oh, I wonder what's over here. And I said, oh, I remember people talking about that place. And then it was yeah. back from when I was a youngster, really only had a reputation from the George Grey Hotel, uh, and sort of people sort of running amok there, which got knocked down ages ago. And started looking around, and I was like, this is a really nice place. Yeah. Oh, this is a pretty cool community. I started coming to stay here a bit and rented sort of a place of four or five times in a row and then uh, tried to buy a place that fell through, tried to buy another place that fell through, tried to buy a section that fell through, tried to buy another place that fell through and then eventually um, finally got a place, which was awesome. And uh, I guess what I love most about Tyra, besides it's, well, it's uh, people don't know uh, New Zealand's Coromandel, it's, it's um, nature is stunningly beautiful. So that's one thing. Um, it's it's pristine. So you know you look at you know, what, what you think of an estuary or a harbour or yacht fishing, and it's just crystal clear, and there's just fish swimming around and all that sort of stuff. Still, you know, that's not you go to Auckland, for example, and you go out off yeah. Takapuna Beach or Milford Beach or something, and it's it's not that. In fact, the water tastes funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so. Um, that's one thing. Actually, you know, at the same time, I was studying, had this large well-being survey called the Sovereign Wellbeing Index, which measured how well people around the world were, yeah. including New Zealand. And uh, 
what turned out to be one of the major determinants was um, knowing people around you in your local community. And, and you ask questions like, oh, I know my neighbours, uh, people in my community help one another, I go for a walk and I meet and know people. And, and surprisingly, New Zealand is really bad at that. Like, we had data from 23 other European countries and we were like at number 22 next to Belarus or someplace. And that was interesting. I thought, well, we don't do that very well. And then I, when you looked at the data, it wasn't New Zealand, it was Auckland, followed by Christchurch, followed by Wellington, where you know, probably one in 10 to one in five people actually had any relationship with their local community. Yeah. Um, and that's the exact opposite from here. Like literally I'd go for a walk, um, might see five cars in the first couple of cars of walking, you know, half of which will just give you a two because they know you. Yeah. Um, the yeah. old one finger. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, oh. then you'll run into a couple of people that you know and you'll stop and have a conversation with them. Yeah. Um, and you'll carry on from there. And that, I think, is unusual in bigger towns. And even if I don't know, I'll still say hi. Yeah. Which, if you go for a, like I like to go for a run or walk or that sort of thing, people just don't talk to you. So that's what I like about it. It's like people actually, I think that's what I love about Tyra. Yeah, just knowing people by name and yeah, um, yeah, many conversations during the day just from impromptu conversations just from running into people. Hmm. I think occasionally it's nice to get get up into the big spoke and just be anonymous for a while. But uh, yeah, it's not well, it's not that. It's interesting though when you look at people's well being. That's like one of the biggest determinants is knowing yeah, yeah. people in the community yeah. and when they answer those questions. Uh, like other the countries that do the best on that, like Scandinavian ones, it's like ninety percent of people are saying, "Yeah, I know my neighbours. I've got a relationship with people. Or I run into people. My community helps one another." We're down at ten to twenty percent. Yeah, it's pretty poor. Yeah, and and that whole thing about you know you've got people in the community that are looking looking out for your back. And, yeah, yeah. Um, so you you spend um, you know split your time between here and your commitments in Auckland. Tell us a little bit about what um, your professional life entails. Well, you know, mainly my job is a professor of public health, and you sort of use words that sound stupid. I think like morbidity and mortality, which is like what does that even mean? It's sort of um, it'd be great. I think most people aspire to have a uh, you know, on balance. Would you rather die? 85 or, or 55, and the answer is probably 85. I don't know anyone who's thinking opposite to that, yeah. um, hopefully. Um, so that's mortality, so we want to live a long time, but if you're living a long time, then you must be having a good time. Um, and a good time actually means having the wherewithal to go about and do the things that you want to do. Yeah. Um, so that's what morbidity is. So um, if you're high in morbidity, you're alive a while, but most of that time spent being sick. So, so that's really what I, public health for me is around sort of seeing if we can keep along healthy life yeah. and you go well what determines that and it's like well um, what we eat um, how fit we are and how much we sleep already and, and how well we, we can get along with other people so it's those sort of four things the social connections the eat sleep and move are really what I study and so I'd have to do research and win research contracts to study that and then publish scientific papers that's what a professor does and then I yeah. also obviously I've got uni students so I've got lectures and classes and, and thesis students and that's, that's what a professor does yeah um, sort of a little bit fun um, on the other hand it's sort of like I think the thing I miss at the end of the day is like having a cheap you know like having a, having a fish in my hand or a uh, or, or, or there's the house I built yeah so so often you don't get that because it's a lot of those oh, I've got this good idea <laughs> So that um, so there's that, and then um, part of my time spent with Prefuel, which is um, 
just felt medicine has lost its way completely with uh, drugs being the first treatment to fix yeah. some sort of symptom-based illness is like not what medicine should be about. Like we're, we should be extensively trying to be well and then improve on that, not wait till you get sick and try and give us some pills to fix it, which were never the cause of the problem. Not having enough pills wasn't the cause of the problem. Yeah. So yeah. yeah so 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 trying to move medicine and and a different way of getting the health message across is probably the other part of what I do. Yeah. 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 I think that's the first first time I came across you, Grant, and, and Precure in, in particular was a podcast you did with um, one of our local legends, Coxie. Yeah. Is a is a good mate and. Um, we're just looking out over Tyra Beach here at the moment, and Coxie loved uh, nothing better than to park his boat out there and be chasing some kingies or to go for a dive for some craze or to yeah. ca catch a wave in the surf out there. And um, I guess that's the whole point of this discussion today as well, is um, specifically about male and men's well-being. Is in the fishing community. I just feel we're, we're that close to just being awesome, healthy males, just by the fact we're out early, we're seeing the sunrise, we're inherently connected to nature, we're out there catching um, healthy protein, yeah. good fat, um, by going out and gathering and feed ourselves, uh, we're connecting with other guys. There, there's just maybe a few things here and there <laughs> we're potentially missing. Um, and I guess I guess that's some of the things I was very keen to delve into yeah, today. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I personally know lots of clients, um, mates in the fishing community that have left well before their time. Like in today's society, what what are we getting wrong? Like humans, if you go back, um, you know, hundreds of generations, yeah. didn't suffer from chronic illness like we do today. Where are we getting it wrong? Yeah, that's a good point, isn't it? And I sort of noticed this mostly because I had done all this work in the remote Pacific for the World Health Organization. Yeah. And the cool thing about that, actually from a fishing point of view, it's pretty cool as well. But um, what you see is, is people who are actually just extensively healthy and happy, even though they don't have anything that we have. Um, I mean, the sad thing is they're aspiring to be like us, but you, there's no cancer. There's no heart disease, there's no diabetes, and there's um, by and large no poor mental health. And people get to their sort of mid-70s, which is about where you get to if you get through childhood. And in medicine, it's called an idiopathic death, but you're basically alive, you're fully functioning, and then um, over a couple of weeks you're not, and that's the end of it. So you haven't really died of anything other than just old age. Um, and you've had a great, healthy, functional life the whole time you've been alive. And so then you go, well, gee, that looks quite different to what I see in New Zealand, which is 13 years of disability. Yeah, you can expect so that's like, morbidity. Yeah, just morbidity. And so you go, well, how's, how are we so different um, than these people? And I reckon it's pretty simple, really. Like it's, it's you know, remember these guys aren't going to the gym. They're not working out. Yeah. They're not going, should I need to set aside my specific time for exercise now? Yeah. Uh, they're just going about their daily living, yeah. which requires some physical effort, to be fair. Yeah. Um, they're not reading food labels or buying this or buying that. Actually, the only food that's available is food that humans have evolved on, which is food that's low on human interference. It was just recently alive, swimming around, running around, yeah. flying around, growing something. Yeah. Um, 
and they go to sleep when the sun goes down yeah and they get up when it comes up and that's it like yeah. it's just that yeah. bloody simple it's like it's not very hard except that our whole um society drives us to a place which is the exact opposite that it's like um, most of the food we well, about, think uh, Auckland Uni guys studied this last year but it's like I think about two-thirds of what we eat comes out of packets. So that yeah. doesn't even meet the basic definition of food. Um, we're down an hour and a half on sleep from what we were 100 years ago. Um, probably more from, from even further back. Yeah. Uh, and most of us sit in cars to get places the whole day. I mean, actually, I, I sort of, um, when I, I'm up in Auckland, I'm going to work at AUT, I have to walk across this motorway overbridge thing and I watch the traffic completely stalled, like not moving at all. I'm, I'm just looking at this these poor bastards sitting in their cars going, you, and, and the saying always comes to my mind, you know, the trouble of winning the rat race is at the end of the day you still a rat. And so all these little rats are sitting in their cars. Um, and, and, you know, I'm trying to work out, just going, okay, I reckon there's about, I don't know, this is how professors think, guys. Um, I'm, I'm sitting in the car going, sitting, walking across going, well, I reckon I can see about a thousand cars at the moment. Yeah. Um, okay, there's probably about at least a thousand people, probably, you know, 1,200 people. Yeah. Um, each of them's wasting, you know, at least half an hour, probably three quarters of an hour, going, going to the destination today to work and traffic. Yeah, yeah. And, and and that's a time where cortisol's heightened and you're actually more stressed out than anyone any other time you day. And you can understand why that is. A small mistake can can be quite bad for you. Yeah. Um, and so you multiply all that out and you go, well, just today there's you know there's years of human life being needlessly wasted sitting on a stupid motorway, um, doing God knows what. Yeah. And I sort of look at that and go, that doesn't resemble anything. That you humans have done you know like you couldn't be further from nature sitting in your car yeah cocooned concrete uh, all around you, concrete all around <laughs> you just stressing out because it's a stressful situation like when you study brainwave activity and, and brain chemistry it's actually stressful yeah um you bang that on either end of your day um yeah it's, it's yeah one one thing i was keen to touch on is sort of um and in, in, intuition and gut instinct and um of I've lived a bit of my life in that environment and I always just felt in my gut. I was like, get, get me out of here. Like I grew up, I grew up as a kid. I was very lucky, you know, I grew up on the Coromandel yeah. over in Thames. We live right next to a stream. And so weekends I'd just wander up, wander up the stream, up, right up into the mountains. Yeah. Barefoot, boulder hopping yeah. all the way up, all the way down. Um, I was very lucky, you know, to be able to go fishing out here on both sides of the peninsula as well. Um, so I, I did what I thought I had to do, like career-wise, went, went off to university, ended up working in, uh, in office blocks in Wellington, Melbourne, um, Auckland. But that, that didn't last long. I was always, um, there's just something something in my gut that said, this is not right, you've got to get back to the Coromandel and do actually what you love, live the live, live the life that 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 I always thought was right as well, as catching your own food, yeah. living off the land as much as you can and showcasing that to other people as well. Just show showcasing to people that there is a, a better way of doing things. Yeah, it's a bit of a trap though, isn't it? Because I do this um well before COVID I was doing quite a lot of this sort of work and you'd go and do um sort of health and well being work in these companies and the ones that want it the most are uh, interesting because they're the two highest professions, right? Dentistry and yeah. uh, law. Yeah. Um, now, there may be happy dentists and happy lawyers, so that's your best, <laughs> right? Um, but by and large, those are the two most miserable professions. 
yeah. um, but also the two highest earning ones. But you can see the trap they get into, like end up having to counsel people to say, how will I exit this high paying job? Yeah. Um, and it is a trap because the worst case scenario, um, people have trouble sort of getting their grips around. It's like, well, if I were to change my life around to stop doing this and start doing this, then there's going to be trade-offs. I'll be inevitably, it comes down to trading money for what you want to do. Um, not, you know, it's, 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 it's rare in those professions. Those two things are completely aligned. Yeah. I, I get paid yeah. well and I get to do exactly what I love doing and I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. Usually yeah. they're underlined. It's like I earn loads of money um, and that might give me the resources I need to do the thing that I really want to do. Yeah. And you go, well, yeah. I'm miserable doing this, but I'm happy doing this. Yeah. Instead of trading these <laughs> that things, is, so, a so, yeah, so how do you bring them closer and closer together? A little bit of that, yeah. The, this that um, trade-off between following your your head and following your following your heart. Yeah, but really I, but is that's even a bit of a logical fallacy, right? Because yeah, you, yeah. because um, because those things should be aligned, right? So the question is, um, I, I, one of the things I like, I do this. There's a I, I get school kids to do it, like teenagers. There's this thing called the VIA Strengths Inventory, and it's just a sort of questionnaire, and you go through and you go, what what am I actually good at and do I like doing? And it's, you know, and you know, if you go through those things yep. and you go, well, the top five things I'm doing every day in my work um, and I'm getting a chance to do them, then, then things are alike and that's great. But if you're actually going, no, that's not working. Like one, one time I had a job working for the Ministry of Education yep. and it's like none of my five sort of strengths, which have been curious, yep. you know, love of new learning, um, saying what I think, all this sort of stuff, are compatible with that job at all. It was maybe completely miserable. And when, <laughs> when you realise that, you just go, that's not going to work for me. And that's the number one thing I see, especially with guys. They're like, yeah, yeah, I know, but I've got to provide for this. I've got to provide for that. It's like, well, at the end of the day, um, there's no practice run here. You're not getting to do this again. Um, can we get a better alignment? Yeah. Um, and I get it. Not everyone's going to give up their job, move to the Coromandel and, um, and do what you do, which is living the dream, really. You know, you're catching, um, you're going in there and, and doing tours. You're working with, with um, people on health. That's great. Yeah. Um, but how can you make them more compatible? Yeah. Um, and there's always going to be a trade of usually money. And then you go, well, how am I going to, can I live with that trade? And I think um, there's a lot of fear around people trying that. So that's what I'd like to see people do more. If you don't do anything else other than this, um, you know, think about, you ask people, you ask, ask men particularly, what, what would your ideal day look like? Yeah. Um, and it's not work free. That's a sort of bullshit fantasy. It's like, I, but it would involve doing this and this and this and this. And it's like, well, how come I don't do that? Oh, well, I, I wouldn't be able to earn any money. Uh, well, you know, like, just rethink your, your yeah. priorities. Yeah. yeah, I've always, always thought if you're, if you're doing what you doing what you love, the money will, the money will follow on. Yeah, well, I've always thought that. I never actually planned to have any career at all. I've never done any <laughs> yeah. career counselling or thought about what I might do when I grow up. It just sort of... Um, always seemed like a good idea and I like doing it and it's worked out for me. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think one of the epiphanies doing your health coach course is, is been looking at human evolution. So for 98% of Homo sapiens existence, yeah. we're primarily being hunter gatherers. So yeah. that pull, especially for lots of, lots of fishermen, that pull to get out on the water all the time and be in fresh air is, it's a natural one. It's, yeah, it's prim primal drive. Yeah. Um, and it does satisfy something deep. I just wish I was better at it. <laughs> <laughs> I, would have I would have starved if it was. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, so, I'm just going to talk about, you mentioned um, a few components of well-being, so um, diet, fitness, good sleep, mindset. Let's touch on a few of those, and I thought that one of the first ones we could talk about is um, quite often my downfall. It's, um, it's fitness and movement. Um, and again, in, when I was doing the, doing the course, I think there's a big epiphany for me. Like I've always, I've always thought that pri primal way of eating, and we'll touch on that later, is it's just sat with me really well. But the more I delved into, um, into your course, that, that primal instinct in terms of moving, and one of the things that struck me is, as you said in there, is humans are the endurance athletes of the planet. Yeah. And that just, that just went, wow, like, uh, there's nothing worse I hate than sitting in front of a computer all day. Yeah. And um, that's, humans aren't actually, we're not geared for yeah. sitting down, we're, we're supposed to move. Yeah, yeah. So that was that sort of idea that, um, if you thought about the sort of human environment, um, you know, one, it's unstable, it was outdoors, and you're more or less in constant motion. Yeah. Until you caught something, yeah. then you just feasted on it, and then you weren't yeah. in motion for a few days, and you got going again. Yeah. So that sort of natural cycle of, of that was one thing. But the second thing is sort of, if you look in human history, evolution, and then even some of the modern day hunter-gatherers, um, then the sort of original African savanna ones, I think is what we are evolved from um, and have pretty much identical genes to is that we were um, doing what's called persistence hunting. So persistence hunting is, is a small group of you breaking off one sort of large stampeding animal yep. Yep. from a group uh, and, and then just using your natural advantage, which is sweating through your whole skin yep. against their disadvantage, which is only crawling down through their tongue. Yeah, and so you're really just calling that animal off and just getting into a bit of a state of heat exhaustion. That might go on for a few hours. Yeah, um, and then when it's um, you know getting collapse, you just go on and, and um, deal with it, and you've got your food. Uh, and so that that requires a few things, and, and we need meat and the fat from animals, particularly because there's no way of fueling a brain that is this big compared to our body size. We've got a massive brain, um, and that's that's where our brain grew in size as well, is that for the first time, once we worked out how to do that, we were feasting off the organ meats, yeah. um, the, the really nutrient-dense part of the animal that, yeah. before that, yeah. the other animals were actually eating and- Yeah, if you're just, if you're just, scav we're just scavenging, yeah, you're not gonna yeah. get there. And so, yeah, I mean, that's the reason why chimpanzees and gorillas have, you know, 400 cubic centimeters brain, and we've got a 1200, a cubic centimetre brain is that it's just not enough food in a vegetarian jungle to, to sustain a bigger brain. Yeah. And brains are highly energetic. And also, therefore, you need to be um, good at catching food, which yeah. we are, because there's obviously not much else going for us. Like, we're not yeah. like better to an animal. Like, it's, we're pathetic, really. Like, no claws, <laughs> yeah. uh, no armour, not very fast sprinting, weak as anything. Yeah. Uh, you know, but we better have something. Um, yeah. And we can, we can, we can endure in the heat extremely yep. well um, compared to any other animal and we're extremely good fat burners so we can actually go without food um, yep. for a reasonably long time but to be a good fat burner you've also got to be an extremely good fat storer um, we're extremely good at storing fat compared to other animals uh, you try and get a chimpanzee fat it's actually quite hard 
yeah. um, they're just lean animals because they don't need to keep a supply of fat to keep their brain going yeah because their brain's not that big yeah so how how um you know you're talking about uh, we don't necessarily have to have to go to the gym to move how should how should we be building more movement into into our daily routines um well I, I, my my scientific view and i think it's well supported um and it's how i treat myself as i sort of have what i do basically stretch into two things one's just easy movement yeah um either you're, you're working you're doing some laboring you're building yeah uh you're you're going for a long walk could be in the bush um for me i've been lucky enough to be a runner my whole life and it sort of suits my physiology my knowledge not everyone's got that history um so i just go out and do that um a bike ride a swim a kayak anything like that so it's just easy moving yeah um and it's comfortable you come back feeling invigorated this is not stressful right it's yeah. just um and i generally do it without any food because it's if you do it without food then you're just burning more fat yeah um and then occasionally uh i'll go and do something and this is synthetic i admit it um it'd be better if it wasn't synthetic i was just hauling large loads of stuff and chopping firewood and moving that around the place but i don't yeah. um i'll just do something that's that's higher intensely explosive and, and is lifting heavy stuff so a couple of times a week i'll do 15 or 20 minutes of lifting some um heavy weights yeah. um and or just like running up some stairs or something yeah. um near the coast or beach or something or Tyra is good for it, but it's just sprinting up those hills uh, to the uh, top of Parker. Uh, Parker. Yeah, I just, yeah. Run as, I just run as hard as I can yeah. for a minute and then I stop, take, get my breath, run hard again for another minute, like don't five of those, six of those to get up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's just like maximal intensity animal yeah. stuff. Um, obviously, there's a bit of a risk of injuring yourself if you're not very fit. Um, and if you're not very fit because you've spent your life not being fit, um, it's still not a reason not to do it. This means you can have to take your time getting up to it. Yeah. And um, just the other thing on the science of that that's worth thinking about, um, a good example is they followed, there's, there's two groups of 50 year olds actually, yeah. and they started following them, they're medically identical at age 50. Yeah. Um, one group was just exercising a bit more yeah. than the other, and they kept following them for the next 22 years. Yeah. Like the, at the end of that 22 years, what are they, age 72, well, 12% of the fit ones had died uh, and 35% of the unfit ones had died. So just, you know, like if, if there was a medicine that had that difference in death rate, it would be freaking amazing. But it's not just that they died, because if you die, you probably won't care because you'd be dead. I um, mean, not thinking. Um, but being alive, um, the fit ones had an extra 12 years over those 22 years of, of, better, of, of disability free health. It's just like... If being fit, well, but yeah, it's quite, if being fit was medicine, which it is, this would be like the best medicine ever invented. Like it just doesn't get it's, being fit doesn't get its due course on medicine. Yeah, you know, and and in fact, um, pisses me off because people see me out doing some exercise and they're like, "Oh, you're fitness freak," and it's like there's nothing freaky about it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we've always done. Is, yeah. yeah, it's like this, this is normal human stuff. I'm not, you know, yeah. um, and it's quite good fun. Um, Listen, it's me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess that's why so many people are pulled, you know, drawn to being out there pig hunting and deer hunting and oh pig hunting and deer hunting are like the best things. In fact, in fact, um that is just friggin' hard, right? You're getting everything, right? So you get the endurance, plus you've got the lifting heavy stuff. I mean anyone's ever tried lifting a, a, a animal out of the bush, my god, my hand goes off to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and more and more, I try and um, if I'm going out of the boat, I'll try as 
as much as possible to throw my free dive gear in there. Yeah. yeah, you've been out fishing. You're not necessarily moving around that much on the boat while you're fishing, but um, jump in the water for an hour or two and um, fin away. And um, not to mention, you know, your breathing and your breath holds. Um, just just come home just feeling that much more. Yeah, but cold water as well. It's always cold water. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I've. Of um, you know, you're a king triathlete and, and runner. So I think um, I've I've done done the odd triathlon, half Ironman, and so <laughs> on. But um, running was always my downfall. I yeah. loved it, but um, yeah, I think it's a matter of um, finding what works for you as well. I always just love jumping in the pool. That's my favourite exercise. Yeah, well, if there's, yeah, if there's not something that you can do, you've got to find it because yeah. like, otherwise you'll just have a short life. Yeah. Um, and you'd be less healthy than you're living. So find something. Yeah. Oh, surely anyone can find something. Um, I think it's what I've loved about as well, bought a uh, bit of a bigger bit of land that um, myself and uh, my fiance Tia are slowly developing. Um, but that whole thing of building, carrying building materials around, digging. Um, I've been boxing up gardens, pulling up um, a whole lot of old pine out of um, the forest below us lugging that up the hills and you just you just notice how a your fitness goes up um but b uh upper body strength as well yeah no so, totally I, and i i need to you're better i know you're better at that than me and i need to manufacture more activities that fall into i have to come up and help you or something <laughs> 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 um yeah but that's right you did right that's exactly how you should do it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, so yeah the opportunity to do manual work around the property is like Pretty much as good as it gets, yeah. yeah. Um, and the moment you, you know, you go, I could, I'll cut this up and lift these over there, or I'll just get a tractor and it's like I'll cut them up and lift them. You know, take twice as long, but you'll be four times more awesome. Yeah, and especially if you're throwing throwing gardening into that mix and you're growing some good healthy, yeah. healthy pie as well. Correct. Let's go on. Which leads us on to, um, so we talked about fitness, so um, diet. And I think the, the first, first, time that it really hit home to me that food is medicine was uh five six years ago my dad was diagnosed with a with a brain tumor um yeah so it wasn't it wasn't a very nice part of our um our family's life um saying yeah dad suffering like that but um he he ended up going to a private specialist at the time who um, was a little bit controversial and one of her key um, key things in the toolbox was a ketogenic diet yeah. so um, cutting out all sorts all, all, all carbs um, cutting out all the sugar and moving to um, large amounts of healthy fat that's my first first when I first heard of um, a ketogenic diet um, I think one thing that struck home to me is if this is what a specialist is saying someone should do when they're terminally ill um, to fight to fight cancer yeah. in your body. Wouldn't it naturally make sense to follow some sort of um, diet well, well, diet like that? Be, yeah, before you get sick. Like, how how have I not heard of a diet like this? Yeah, um, up until now. Like, shouldn't we be eating like that just to boost our immunity yep. and um, keeping our bodies in check and I think another thing I heard, heard last year is um, your, your mind and body know how to heal yourselves so that just struck me as like wow 
you've just got you've actually got to give it the right environment to yeah. your mind and your body the right environment to do that to heal itself. Um, since then, um, I came across Pete Evans and his Paleo Way diet, and tried that a ten week diet going back to our paleo roots, which is really easy as a fisherman. Like um, you're pretty much eating what you're catching out there on the ocean and some good healthy um, red meat and bird meat thrown in as well. Um, Good protein, healthy fat, and um, some veggies thrown in out of the garden, some nuts and berries and things like that as well. And that's pretty much the gist of it. I think I lost close to 20 kilos in 10 weeks. Felt mentally sharp. I wake up in the mornings and my body's been thrown around a bit by um, by those long slogs back from the aldermans and 25 knots and um, my hips and my elbows and things feel a little bit. But once I was on that diet, I was like, wow, I've got absolutely no joint pain. Um, so that whole thing about that's personal experience of food being medicine and it actually makes so much sense like if you're looking after your joints like that surely you're going to be at less risk of having to have hip replacements knee replacements i know lots of people that have been down that route not to mention diabetes heart disease yeah um what's what's your take on diet grant and i know you've written written a lot about um low carb healthy fat what's what's the science behind it Oh, yes, yeah, so I, I reckon it's interesting. It's one of the most interesting things in the world, if you ask me. Like, uh, I mean, up until, I mean, you got to remember, up until 10,000 years ago, no one really sort of, there wasn't a manual on eating. People yeah. were pretty healthy. Yeah. Uh, then we sort of got into the agricultural revolution, which I think is an interesting thing that we someone kind of a clever idea. It's like, hey, why are we hunting all these things? We grow some of this stuff and keep some of these animals as livestock. Yeah, it sounds like a great idea, and actually, it turns out to be a good idea for only one reason. Um, but actually, it turns out to be a really dumb idea for lots of other reasons. So humans, um, at that point, their life expectancy halved. Yeah, um, mainly because we lived in communities we get contagious disease now, so that sort of halved our life expectancy. It's also humans shrunk between five and seven inches, and their brain shrunk from fifteen hundred cubic centimeters to twelve hundred. So, so humans sort of shrunk in stretch of nutrient deprivation. Yeah. Um, because this food that we were farming wasn't as high quality, especially the grains um, or corn or rice, depending on what in the world you're doing it. Um, and in and, and the last couple of hundred years, we've unshrunk. So we're back to the original height, but we haven't unshrunk our brains yet. Those are still at 1,200 cubic centimetres. Um, and the one thing that was in favour of this way of eating was that we, we uh, could get kids off breastfeeding and put them on soft foods now because they were available um, and just have more kids. And just a small change in birth rate makes the human population go exponential, which is what it's done. Um, and then in the last hundred years, we've invented food processing with you know factories and refrigeration and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And so now we've got a food environment that looks nothing like what we've done. And then, of all perverse things, the Americans won World War II because they won World War II. They sort of start owning the science. And this one guy, Ansel Keys, decides that it's actually dietary fat, especially animal fats, that are the root of all evil. And that sort of takes scientific hold even though it was never proven and this led to this diet heart hypothesis and the food pyramid which is extensively what what the food supply in a prison or a hospital uh, or any sort of government sanctioned thing goes on which is reduced dietary fat especially saturated fat butters out 
uh, get rid of the, the, the meat and the animals because that's all bad. And, you know, scientifically just doesn't add up at all. In fact, it's completely the opposite to that. And so you go, actually, what would happen if you didn't, you know, if anyone's been to hospital recently, either to visit someone or they've, they've been in there and you get a meal in the hospital, I mean, I think you'll agree, it's just bizarre to the, you know, there's your orange juice, there's your low-fat yogurt, there's your piece of toast, um, and there's the margarine <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the jam to stick on it. It's just like refined, processed carbohydrates, basically. Yeah. Um, but it's low in fat. And the trouble is that this raises your blood sugar and it raises a hormone called insulin. When those go up, these are the, those being high are the root cause of what we call metabolic diseases. And the metabolic diseases all have something in common. It's cancer, heart disease, stroke, uh, diabetes, uh, Alzheimer's and dementia. Those are metabolic diseases, which those are the things that will get almost all of us. Yeah. Um, and they're diet related. And they're diet related from eating what the government told you to. It's just sad and pathetic. Um, and then you come out and have some other template. You go, well, hang on. Why don't we just go for whole unprocessed food stuff that was recently alive, like the paleo top diet, yeah. or you go for more of a keto one, which is going, look, every time you have these starchy, wheaty, sugary carbohydrates, your blood sugar goes up and you feel shit and you put on weight. What if you just ate less of those and ate more fat, yeah. which is the keto type approach? And the answer is when you do trials on those, or you just do it on yourself, like scientifically you do it in trials, or just... Practically, good for you, yeah, yeah. Then um, virtually everyone responds well, yeah. uh, and and then you go back to the government and go, hey, why don't we change the policy on this? And so, like, oh, no, 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 no. And so, you know, I've just been yeah, nutrition wasn't my original field; it was it was fitness. Yeah. Um, but I've spent the best part of the last decade and a half in nutrition now. Oh, it's just a complete fight. It's just unbelievable. It's like you, at least in the academic world of fitness, you have a bit of discussion about everyone's sort of friendly. Nutrition, no one's friendly. Um, there's sort of pitched camps and, you know, the latest one is the sort of plant-based stuff. Yeah. It's like, you know, um, came in animal products, those are um, the cause of all evil. And it's just like, there's no scientific basis for that. Um, processed food is the problem. Yeah, I was listening to an interesting, interesting um, talk last night, basically saying that the key to well-being is the is animal products and the mm. sinewy part of animal products, all the gelatinous yeah. part of animals so from your bone broths and that's something we can do as fishermen as well. Well, no, I reckon uh, as fishermen, so all you guys out there, um, I had, had a decent sized couple of kingies a while back. Yeah. We're like, oh, I'll just chuck, like, chuck them down the beach, get rid of them. And it's like, hang on, like, look at this, look at them. This is like two thirds of the animal. Yeah. Um, and so I chuck the gas ring out and, and boil them up over several hours. Yeah, just make uh, a nice stock. Oh, it's pretty really great. And then, I, well, I actually just like chowders, and it makes a great place for that. And then you start using the stock, and yeah. uh, you know, that's right. We'll chuck away the most nu nutrient dense part of the. And the same goes for um, for you know beef and lamb and all that. Yeah. We chuck away half the animal. Yeah. Um, probably with the most nutrients. So that's sort of nose to tail type eating. So yeah. You know, it's a bit of a hassle, but geez. One of, one of the things I love doing with kingies is so you've got the. Kingy frame, yeah. and each knuckle you can get a knife in there and break the knuckle off. Yeah, break each of those knuckles off. Yeah, you got a bit sort of shape like that. Um, put a bit of marinade on them. Yeah, and chuck them on the weather. Yeah, and um, you suckle the suckle the fat and the oh, is it right? Caramelised. Yeah, 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 all around the bone. It's just yeah. absolutely beautiful. Yeah. 
And that's what, uh, that's what you see people, you know, give back to Samara. I've spent a, um, quite a bit of time in, in Vanuatu and yeah. that's what the locals there do. They, they make sure they eat every little... Yeah, well, why would you waste, good, just, why would you waste <laughs> decent food? I mean, it's just yeah. unethical yeah. Yeah. point of view. So we could do yeah. better there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what's, uh, what's your favourite seafood, Gar? Um, Kingfish, for sure, Kingfish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that and a sort of... Uh, well, it's not true. You gave me some tuna there, but it was yeah, really good. But, but, but I think I think it, it's it's a much it's a rare fish, right? Yeah. So you're not really getting that. But around here, it's just pretty kangies and yeah. and kangies in that sort of uh, raw coconut type yeah. um, milk type so stuff. Actually, yeah, so yeah. actually, is um, is would be my favourite yeah. yeah. because I, I just have that for every meal, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, how good was that bluefin? The, the fat, like uh, the the part close to the skin. Once you dice it up, it's like having, having olive oil or coconut oil all over your hands. It's just so yeah, yeah, it's such a fatty fish. It's, it's awesome. Uh, in fact, I was going to, you gave me that and I was going to eat it, save it and all that sort of stuff, and then I just like ate it straight away. <laughs> a whole lot. Yeah. Um, so I guess, I guess um, one, one thing with me as well is over time and through these experiences, I've, um, I've got to know a lot of the knowledge behind it. Putting it into practice sometimes is... It's hard, you know, sometimes you're like, uh, when, when you're on a 10-week program, it's yeah. fairly easy, you get yeah. to stick to it. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's easy to get sidetracked by that bag of chips or yeah. um, that big loaf of um, crusty white bread. Yeah. What's, what's, what, what are some, some of the things you've um, discovered about the difference between that knowledge and putting it into practice? And yeah, well, that's, that's, the, that's a million-dollar thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's all very well known. That if you don't do it, then you've got a problem. But on the other hand, um, I think people should know that, you know, even me, I live this, this is my whole life. This is what yeah. I'm, you know, interested in. I, I start at night reading this stuff, not because yeah. it's work, because it's like, yeah. I find it just really interesting. Yeah. Um, I still, you know, have some beers and so I'm partial to salt and vinegar chips, so I just tell you. It's yeah. like, <laughs> there's nothing good about them. I don't own industrial cooking oil, that yeah. um, shitty refined crappy carbohydrates and, um, you know, you leave a packet, it's not going to rot for a thousand years. It's, 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 it's shit food. I really like it though. Yeah, so I have that sometimes, you know. So when we're talking about carbohydrates as well, so we've got car carbohydrates are not biologically necessary. necessary no, so you don't need them. Yeah. No. So yeah, your body really only needs protein and fat. And fat. Yeah, because every cell in your body needs essential fatty acids and essential amino acids and get that from the diet. That's why fish are so good because because the, the actual essential fatty acids are those omega three and omega six ones. Yeah, especially the omega-3s, which are fish have got. Um, no, so back onto the behavioural stuff. So I think, yeah, the problem is that um, you're a human, you will fail. You will fail. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, but, so, but I think that's just worth acknowledging up front. Yeah. It's like, it's like oh, I'm doing this and I'll be real good and then, I'll, and then I won't be. Yeah. And so, so my thing is to, yeah, it's what I do 90% of the time that counts. I would say that that's actually a fair thing. So 90% of the time I'm pretty good with my... Diet, make a good effort, um, enjoy that food. Tempts of the time, I'm absolute ratchet, um, and I'm uh, that's fine. Um, you'll keep that balance right if you're if you're metabolically sick. Like my dad's got uh, prostate cancer. It was metastasized a few years ago. He's actually got on top of it, made through his diet. He acknowledges that his shit diet and too much booze caused it in the first place. Um, so he has to be a bit better than 90, 20, 90, 10. Yeah. Um, but for me, ninety ten, it's just like you know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, my, my, my favourite week, actually, this is what I did in that, what the fast book, is like, 
um, just fit it in with my life, be, be pretty strict on Monday and Tuesday, and in fact, eat a bit less, and in fact, miss breakfast and lunch, just have dinner, um, keep that healthy. So I try real hard those two days, sort of busy doing stuff, because uh, I've tried hard on Monday and Tuesday, I generally keep that going Wednesday, Thursday, by Friday, Saturday, the wheels had completely fallen off, and who knows what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, and then on Sunday, I was getting ready for Monday again, and so that was just a, that behaviourally works well for me. Like I can stay fit, healthy, um, all the metabolic things work well for me yeah. doing that. And so I think just people need to acknowledge that. What, what happens though is everyone goes, oh, they're super strict. And then, then they're not, and then they're completely off the horse, and then they're 100% shit. There's no, no point to that, is there? Like you're, you're real good than you weren't, real good than you weren't. So yeah. can we just be a little bit more um, coherent around yeah, moderation. Moder yeah, well, <laughs> well, it's a sort of funny word what moderation is, but it's like allow, you're a human, you're going to fail, acknowledge, yeah. acknowledge that frailty and then just get on with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot easier in an environment like this as well where you're, you're out, you're active all the time. Yeah. Oh, and actually, healthy food. And, and, and random people will, you know, catch a whole bunch of fish and drop them around or something. So that's another good thing to do with your fish, guys, is give some of them away. Yeah. But um, the main beneficiary is you, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of that. So um, um, under under diet comes alcohol. So um, I guess that's that's a pertinent topic in uh, yeah. in the fishing world. We yeah. all we all do like a a few beers at the yeah. end of the day, and that's yeah. probably a little bit of a trigger for me sometimes. Is actually going fishing. Yes, yeah. that's something that has yeah. been synonymous with fishing over the years and um, it's a matter of sort of cutting that habit out for me as well because um, bears, bears, you know, very high carb. Yeah. Um, what's, what's, what's your advice around alcohol and diet? Yeah, it's interesting. So, I mean, from a public health point of view, the basic, basic public health facts of the matter are that alcohol does way more harm than it does good in society like it's just like that's not under debate once you sort of go well you get this many road crashes this many guys acting like a bunch of knobs you know <laughs> cause, causing all sorts of problems because of it yeah um blah 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 the harm outweighs the good yeah um but but i do think there is actually some useful from this though. like you know for me sitting down um with a couple of beers and talking about how awesome we were or how uh, yeah, even if we're reinventing the past, that's actually bloody the fun. Yeah, and there's benefit to that. Yeah, uh, but let's not kid ourselves at some sort of health tonic. Yeah, you know, like it's not. Yeah. It's just not. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, I, I think a, a trick to it is to go in periods of of enjoying some of the useful ones of alcohol, and then actually having entire periods where you're not drinking at all. Yeah, like just not at all. Okay? Yeah. So. So that's just like, uh, you know, I did several months. Like, oh, I'll go for a month and then I'll go for a few more. Yeah. And then they might come off that. I'm in a bit of an off period at the moment. So it's like, yeah, you can get low carb beers, by the way. Not that they're a health tonic either. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just think that's, that's um, having the ability, having, having, the, having the spells off, completely off it. For long periods of time. Yeah. So yeah. Because otherwise you're kidding yourself. And I see a lot of people going, Oh, no, no, I can handle it. No, no, no. It's like, and it's just like you're going through a box a week uh, or, or more. And you tell me that that's okay. Um, so, you know, I, I think to ask what roles, there's a lot of myths around alcohol as well. It's like, 
oh, I'm funnier, I enjoy myself more. It's like, no, 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 your frontal lobe's just shut down. You think you're funny, you're just more stupid. Yeah. Um, so there's, you know, there's a sort of biological fat versus the sort of thing I'd like to hear about this. Yeah. I think that's the thing in alcohol. Um, yeah. But but there's a, there's, a, there's a place for it and it's good fun. Um, and it's a good time sitting around and having a couple of beers and talking about things we shouldn't, that, that's not a bad thing. It's just, it's not always that way. Yeah, yeah, I, I know anyone who knows me personally will know that I like a, from time to time, like a few drinks. Yeah. But um, that's definitely part of my journey is just learning how to, how to, how to moderate that. And goes spells completely with that, without it, like on the paleo diet I did, I just cut it out for 10 weeks. And yeah. mental clarity and product, I think the big thing is when I don't drink, my productivity just goes through the roof. Like it just chops through so much. I'm up at five o'clock in the morning yeah. using, which for me is the best part of the day to get work done and just smashing stuff out. The thing that was most convincing for me is that it's this one study that they did with uni students. Um, they, they had them learn this computer coding task for, for a day. Yeah. So they started like this level of knowledge and they you know, got up to some other level of knowledge. Really. And they randomised them to a couple of different groups. One group just gets eight hours of sleep the next week. The other group gets the same amount of sleep, but on the first night, just before they go to bed, they have two shots of vodka. Yeah. Um, and you go, well, what's the interesting thing about that? Well, Alcohol turns off uh, your dream sleep, REM sleep. Yeah. And REM sleep's where you're basically moving the postal notes around the brain and putting them in the right places to make that connection. So it's learning and memory, yeah. solving yeah. problems. Yeah. Um, and when they test them again on that, what they knew about that computer coding after a week, um, the, the kids who just didn't have the drink, just did the coding and went to sleep for you know, each night, um, had actually improved after a week. The, other, the kids who had the vodka on the first night, um, they're down 50%. Wow. Um, you know, it's like, a, that's, that's the thing that I think is interesting. It's just like, you want to turn off your ability to dream um, and have a good night's sleep. Well, how you do it is you have alcohol. That's what it does. And, and that's, this, is, this is also why if you've got a, if there's a pregnant woman in your life, um, we recommend no alcohol because it, it turns off the baby's dream sleep and babies are, babies are dreaming, uh, you know, they're asleep about 20 hours a day in the womb yeah. and they're dreaming about half of that. And so, so you feel a baby moving around and people are, oh, you're getting ready to come out. No, no, they're, they're dreaming, but they haven't yet got the apparatus that paralyzes them because obviously when you're an adult or, or a live human out of the womb, you can't be dreaming and moving because that would end badly. You're paralyzed, but they haven't developed that yet. So, and, and so if, if pretty mum starts drinking, just turns the baby's dream sleep off, um, ruins their cognitive development. So... Yeah, that's alcohol. Yeah, we better stop. <laughs> yeah, I, um, that's that is the other thing I notice if I knock uh, knock the knock the alcohol off for a, even just you know one or two, like the first couple of nights, you just notice your sleep is markedly better. Like you sleep right through, you don't wake up at two or three in the morning, you have to back to sleep, and you wake up just feeling absolutely refreshed. Well, I think the other thing is we're getting, all getting, getting a bit older, our prostate's enlarging. Um, you have a diuretic and some extra fluid, you're going to get up another once or twice to need to go to the toilet. That's going to break up your sleep on top of not dreaming properly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so on that note, sleep. <laughs> and so um, what is, one of the things I'm keen to have a quick chat about is sleep and also mental health. Mental health becoming a much talked about and um, topic in New Zealand society, yeah. especially, for, especially for men. And it's been great to see 
that become more mainstream for guys to put their hand up and yeah. say, not cool, not yeah. okay. I've, I've been through my own journey yeah. with mental health to reasonably bad periods of my life, one of which I ended up um, in hospital. Um, and interesting what, what you're talking yeah. about yeah. around um, what you served in hospitals. Yeah. I got to see that firsthand, yeah, three weeks in oh, hospital, yeah. and I've always known that, you know, food is medicine and I'm getting served for breakfast, a couple of pieces of toast with some margarine, just going, what? <laughs> yeah, well, we're meant to have, we should be having some fresh fish full of omega-3s, yeah. and anti-inflammatory in the yeah. brain, and that's about the best you can do. No, I was just lucky that my mum, you know, brought me in big bags of nuts. And yeah, right. I just think that's so, so good for you yeah. as well. Um, what, what, what are some of the things we can be doing to look after Obviously. our own, our, well, our mental sleep. health? And yeah, mental well-being. Um, well, why don't we deal with the sleep? Because I think it's important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, well, my, I think that can come hand in hand. In my opinion, if you're not sleeping properly, your mental health will suffer to, yep. to a degree. And I'd say with both of those situations, sleep yeah. had a large, yeah. large part of it. Yeah. Like if you're not sleeping. Yeah. No, and then and then of course what you're doing if you're not sleeping and then you're getting stressed out about not sleeping, you're waking up and you're ruminating, which is yeah. the actual pattern of depression and anxiety, right? Yeah. You're worrying about either stuff that has happened or stuff that could happen. Yeah. Um, neither of which you have any control over because it's not, you can't go back in time and you can't go forward in time. Yeah. So you're sitting there stressing about you're not sleeping and then the biology of being well is impaired because the brain's not wiring itself properly. Yeah. Um, I just reckon with sleep, there's a couple of things that's worth thinking about. So if you go back 100 years and you ask any New Zealander the question about, um, you know, do you get six hours or more sleep at night? Well, everyone did, because only 2% of people have less than six hours. Yeah. Now, now that's a third of us. So yeah. like there's an hour and a half less sleep that we get on average um, and some more than others. Yeah. That's just like in 100 years. Yeah. Uh, and then um, no one used to say, I don't wake up feeling refreshed. Now 50% of New Zealanders wake up saying, I don't wake up feeling refreshed. Right. So like, it's a staggering change, right? Yeah. Um, and, and you go, geez, what's happened? Well, I reckon the main thing that's happened is, is um, artificial light and, and, yeah. and um, not get... So, so normally what would happen, right, is you... Um, you're out in nature, out on the water during the day. Um, you're getting sunlight or natural light, which is high in blue wavelength light. Suppresses this hormone melatonin down. Yeah. And then as it gets to the end of the day, it gets dusky or something, that light goes away and this melatonin, the sleep hormone rises up. It feels so if you go to bed, wake up. So that's camping, right? You're just in yeah. a natural rhythm. You just, that's when you go to bed and get up. Yeah. And it's just generally feel pretty good. Um, of course, what happens, you're sitting in an office with... with um, screens and light, um, then you go home and you see the same screens at night. And the brain's just getting no signal to go to sleep whatsoever. So, so it's, it's utterly impaired, right? And, and, and it didn't used to be quite so bad until we invented LED, white LED lights. Because yeah. uh, the old yellow incandescent bulb isn't that actually high in blue wavelength light, so it is different from the sun. You, know, you might not have been going out during the day into the sun, but now you've got a phone, a computer screen, an iPad, and the white LED lights are all high in blue wavelength light, actually higher than the sun um, in proportion. So, so you're giving the brain no signal to go to sleep. Um, and it's actually most profound with kids. So it takes their melatonin from being picking up quite high and zeroes it. So you put a kid in front of an iPad just before bed, they yeah. have zero melatonin. Um, and their sleep quality and quantity is impaired. 
Um, for some reason, we have less melatonin as we get older, and it doesn't zero up for us, but it still affects our quality and quantity. So I think um, that's the main thing. That's, that's the beauty of outside, right? Get outside. Yeah. Your normal biology will work. Yeah. Stay inside. Good luck with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and don't go scrolling through Facebook before you go to bed. Well, that'll ruin your day for various other reasons, <laughs> which probably we're not going to get into now. But the, um, so, so yeah, I think mental health and sleep are, um, and then the food part and the thing. The other thing to remember with um, mental health and sleep is that if you start to think about what we do now, but especially depression and anxiety as being inflammatory problems in the brain, the brain's inflamed. Yeah. Um, so that's come, that comes back to diet. Well, diet's a part, but also sleep, surprisingly, especially going to bed not real late because yeah. it's, um, it's not dream sleep, it's deep yeah. sleep. And yeah. deep sleep is a thing called the glymphatic system, which is a, is a, is a, a, a sort of clear fluid that moves around the inside of the brain. Um, and that deep sleep, it goes up about threefold in terms of its flow. And that's, that's removing waste and, anti, and, and inflammation. So you, can, you always go to bed with a slightly inflamed brain from yeah. just being alive and the amount of energy expended during the day. Um, and the early sleep in the night clears that up. Now, if you go to bed at midnight, you just miss out on that. You, you never get it back, right? So, so that's why going to bed at some reasonable hour, like 10 o'clock, is actually a better thing because that, that sleep happens between 10 and midnight. Um, you won't, rec you know, dreaming happens later in the night and you just won't recover it. Yeah. So, so that's an important thing. I guess the other thing with um, mental health for guys is just, I think there's two things. First of all, as you were saying, acknowledge there's an issue if you've got one and, and talk to someone about it. But it's also normal. Like, yeah. like, who expects to go through their life and not feel shit from time to time? It's a bullshit thing about, um, oh, what, uh, um, you know, everyone goes, oh, you know, you'd be happily married. And also, that's just a, a, a complete myth. Yeah. It's probably, well, it might, well, it might be, not be a myth, but it's like, like even awesome relationships in a great life are like, yeah, <laughs> like this, it's just up and down, up and down. Yeah, um, that's part of, part of life. I, I remember <laughs> sitting back, I, it was so important to talk to people, and mm -hmm. I was lucky to have some good, just uh, real good mates and family around me, but I also um, employed a psychotherapist for a few sessions. Yeah. And remember, one thing that really sticks in my head is him looking me in the eye and saying, Carl, you realise anyone who been, who's been through, like you've just been through, yeah. a yeah. bit, of, bit of stuff happening in my life, would have ended up exactly the same. Yeah, well, if you didn't, oh. if, you were, if you weren't unhappy, what's wrong with you? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, I think that's the other thing. It's like, like a normal, a good life is, is up and down. Like, that's, that's living, right? Yeah. And this is sort We're of all here to experience. So, yeah. Yeah, the whole, whole, well, this sort of me, of what life's got to offer. This sort of annoys me so much about lotto tickets. Yeah. Um, there was a big lotto one the other night, and everyone's in for their thing. I just like refuse to do it on every psychological level. It's like, it's like, what you're aspiring to is 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 a life where you don't have any of the ups and downs. Yeah. That's no way to live. And actually, yeah. in fact, when you study people who um, win lotto, the only ones who are better off than when they started are ones who give most of it away. Yeah. Um, people who don't do that actually generally worse off. And you go, oh, okay, I'll be in that study. I'll prove you wrong. But that's, that's the way it rolls, man. Yeah. I, I think um, one of the things I've found about the last lockdown as well is just how, 
how good I felt mentally. And I, I think it was just, you could be, you could be who you were, you didn't have to, you didn't feel like you had to be chasing your tail or keeping up with yeah. what everyone else is doing. Yeah. Or, Correct. Um, you just, uh, and, and to me, that's, you know, one of the tools I've had in my, in my toolbox <laughs> around mental health. When you start feeling a little bit of anxiety, it's actually just, it's okay just to go and take some time out yeah. and just sit on the deck. Totally. And, yeah. Sit on the deck and look at the ocean and yeah. Yeah. look at the birds flying around. And, yeah. yeah, and also, you know, at some point it might, it might not come right. Yeah. And you might need to go and seek some more professional help and get some insights. Yeah. It's probably the main thing, I think. Yeah. Um, and that's all right too. It doesn't make you anything. It just makes you getting some extra help. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and all those other things we've talked about, so yeah. diet. Yeah, well, that's not even a topic in mental health, unbelievably. Like, we've, our government did a whole review yeah. of mental yeah. health and didn't discuss um, sleep, fitness, or diet, like the three yeah. main things you can do. Yeah. yeah. What, uh, what role do you think antidepressants have to play? Like, um, from my experience, they get dished out pretty willy-nilly. It seems yeah. to be the first, first thing that doctors... Um, they've got on their toolbox. Yeah, so it could, um, I mean, when you do scientific trials with antidepressants, it's quite interesting. Like they're, they're um, actually quite effective, but they're no more effective than placebos, which are also quite effective. Yeah. So like if they're playing that role, like if, you know, if getting your 30% better straight away, yeah, it's a bloody good role. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. That works. Yeah. The fact yeah. that they're no better than, um, than, than uh, placebo, um, doesn't make them useless, makes yeah. them bloody effective. Yeah. Um, so I think if they've, they've got a short-term role, um, especially in severe stuff, to actually help bring you back to a point where you're good to go again, like I'm all for that. Um, long-term, yes, you just can't see the point. Yeah. Um, like it's not the answer. And also the answer, the, 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 me the basic mechanism isn't even a mechanism, like, like this sort of serotonin deficiency view of, of these SSRI antidepressants is complete nonsense. It's not... It's not a thing. Yeah. So, so you've got a you've got a medication based on something that actually doesn't do anything. Yeah. For the, for what's essentially a disorder of inflammation. So yeah. Um, but but they're effective, man. Compared to compared to not doing anything. So yeah. like. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess if you know that, they might not be more effective. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, so before we wrap up, I was just going to have a chat about where. Um, we see COVID's reared its ugly head in New Zealand again with yeah. um, Auckland's just being put into level three lockdown. We're yeah. in level two down here in Tauru. Yeah. Um, one of the last things in, in the light of that I was going to talk about is immunity and what, um, other than some of the things we've talked about already, yeah. what, are, what are other things we can do as humans to boost our immunity? And is, is, is that something that has been talked about enough at the moment? Oh, no, we'll start with the end. So it's not talked about at all. It's a, yeah. a, a mind-blowingly frustrating topic for me. It's like you can spend you know, billions developing a vaccine. It might take you know, four, ten years. Uh, it might get there quicker. Who knows? It, vaccines probably don't improve the chances of the people who are most unwell in the first place. That's the whole problem, right? So you know, men over... 65, for example, respond really poorly to the flu vaccine. They don't produce antibodies, and that's why they're more susceptible to dying from the flu in the first yeah. place. Um, but what's interesting with that group of men is you can get them on a healthy diet, particularly 
um, ones that are full of these probiotics, sort of live fermented stuff, and and you get up from thirty percent of people having being affected to seventy percent. So like diet makes a massive difference to your response to other treatments. Yeah. Um, COVID, like your chances of getting hospitalised and chances of dying are just massively accelerated as soon as you've got a chronic condition. Um, particularly diabetes, you've got a five times bigger chance of going into the ICU. Um, and going into the ICU with COVID is not a good thing. So, you know, if, 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 you're, if you're pretty healthy, COVID offers a pretty much a trivial chance of something bad happening to you. If you're not healthy, it's not trivial. It's, it's actually a serious disease. And that's the thing I think we're taking hold of. It's like, this is a, this is a disease that will kill quite a lot of people. Uh, and we know one of the only things that we actually have any control of the moment is our own health. And we're investing nothing. It's not a topic. Uh, you know, put your mask on. Okay, well, it's good. That might stop people getting it. But being healthy is what's going to do it. Um, in particular, keeping your blood sugar under control. So um, the easiest way to keep your blood sugar down, I'll stop eating refined, ultra-processed crap food um, and just start to live off the land again. That, that, if, if, if you thought you were at risk of, of um, COVID and you're not in the, in the trivial category, um, or you've got people around you who aren't, who aren't, then that's what you do. It just drives me nuts. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, just my world is that we'll, we will, this is a sort of typical week, you, you'll try and get some funding to do some work on diabetes and diet or this sort of stuff, and, and um, you'll get your grant back in, or you'll, you'll go, oh, it's going to cost us you know, $200 a person to put them through this diet program. You're like, oh, no, no, there's no money in the health system for that sort of thing. Um, you know, and the single stay in the ICU is like 14 grand. You know, like, yeah. so, so it just drives me completely bonkers. Like, that's, that's what we deal with in the health system. So, yeah, you know, I'll just stop ranting about it. I was just, I, I was, if one thing ruins my sleep, it's that, frankly. Yeah, and that's what I love about what you do, Grant. It's all focused around, yeah, making sure people don't drive off the cliff instead of uh, being the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. Yeah, it's just, it just makes no sense, does it? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And on that note, I uh, just want to put in a bit of a plug for something we're doing at Provider, and that's our men's wellbeing retreat. So something we started um, back in March. And so it's uh, a complete experience. Come down to where we live in Tyra, um, spend some time out on the ocean, hunter-gathering. Um, get up when it gets light, go to bed when it gets dark. Get up, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Follow the natural rhythms, breathe in some fresh air, plenty of time to um, take a chill pill. Um, you'll learn lots of good, healthy ways to cook up your seafood um, and other good, healthy food. Um, yeah, I'll be doing all the cooking and sharing some of my recipes. Um, we'll get out there, move, um, enjoy catching big fish. And um, yeah, generally have a, I think one of the great things um, off the retreats we've done so far is um, just having some good time to reflect as guys about our own journeys and um, you know, just being really good um, experiences, just connecting with guys, talking about men's wellbeing, what we've all been through and um, having that, sort of creating that network as well of um, guys to call on. Um, in the future, and, yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's cool. Liking those, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, it's been great doing the health coach course just to put a bit of um, 
build up that knowledge base and behind it so we can share that with uh, yep. the guys coming down doing the retreats as well. Yep. Thanks for your chat, Grant. That's no, good. Good to see you again. Yeah, yeah. we'll have to get you out on the boat for a fish at some stage. Yeah, like I'm, I wish I had more skill. I used to be doing more skill. Like I, I eventually catch a kingfish and, and I pull it up and I'm like, oh, this is just an absolute beauty. And they're like, oh no, they have to be 80 centimeters. Yours are, yours are 76. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they all fight hard <laughs> and um, I think that's the thing I love about Tyra is we're actually sitting in that Grant's house overlooking Tyra Beach and um, we're only probably a few hundred metres from one of my favourite spots yeah. you don't have to go far down here well um, actually when I and I met last year went up on a, um, a, a Northland fishing trip um, went for a week hoovering around all over the place trying to catch nothing yeah. comes back here goes up the first day Catches ten kingies right off in front of the Tamanu Surf Club, you know, like <laughs> it's like what was I doing? Yeah, no, I only have to look around us. So like, oh, I've got crayfish there, <laughs> scallops there, yeah, snapper yeah. kingies there. Yeah, doesn't get much better. If you'd like to come down and um, experience a bit of what Tyra's got to offer, get in touch and um, send me a message, and we'll get you out there. Cheers, Grant. Thanks awesome for talk. Yep, catch you later. Take Grant. it easy, guys. Look after yourselves.